0: Hi and welcome to the Girl Next Door podcast. I'm your host Renee Bennett and this is a leadership podcast for ordinary girls compelled to lead an extraordinary life. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. Hello, hello. Welcome everyone to episode 84 of Parenthood. It is Friday. I often wonder where you guys are listening from. Are you in your car? Are you driving? Are you walking? Anyway, I'm happy to be your companion for the next half an hour. Hey, before we get started on today's Parenthood topic, I just want to quickly let you know if you haven't already heard about a giveaway that we are doing with our friend and sponsor, Pippin Girl. If you listen to Wednesday's episode, you would already know what is happening. And you've only got until next Wednesday to jump on this, by the way. But Pippin Girl, an amazing resource house for anyone that's got a young girl in their life, whether you're their mum or you're a leader, auntie, anything. It is such a great um, organization place to follow, but they're giving away two copies of their brand new magazine that they are about to release called Bloom Baby. If you saw part one called Remarkable, you will know what amazing quality that it is. So make sure that if you want to be in the running, two of my lucky listeners are going to win a brand new um, copy of Bloom Baby. So make sure you come along to my social media, go nextdoor.podcast and just have a look there for the giveaway tile. And on that tile just make sure you tag a friend, make sure you're following me and you're following Pippin Girl, and you could be in the running. We will draw that next Wednesday. So make sure you do that. Anyway, what are we talking about today? Well, I thought that we would continue a little bit kind of a bit of a different direction, but it kind of matches with what we were talking about last week when it came to what do we do when our child throws a tantrum. So today I want to, uh, I guess, take a really positive step. Like last week, we talked about what to do if a if a tantrum was happening and how we deal with that, but I want to be a bit more proactive today and talk about something that we can instill in our children, which will help to curb these tantrums over the long run and something, a character trait that I promise you will pay off in 18 years time. And why can I say this? Because I Very, Cameron and I very intentionally taught this character trait to our tantrum-throwing son, who you heard last week has just turned 18 and is such a beautiful kid now. And that character trait is self-control. Oh my gosh, self-control. I promise you, if you intentionally teach this, uh, it will pay off. And I'm going to go through five practical ways that we can teach self-control to our children. But let me just chat about it for a moment. A lot of parents, um, and maybe, I don't know, maybe if you're honest, you might put yourself in this category, but a lot of us get more caught up on educational training rather than moral training. And I think that's probably because you know, we want our kids to really succeed at life. And, um, there's a lot of pressure now, um, you know, around education and that pressure seems to be getting younger and younger with our children. And it just is not really sexy really to talk about moral training, is it? But, you know, everyone gets excited when we talk about education and educational training, but, you know, we see our friends, uh, it's really easy to compare our, our our kids with our friends, kids, And this starts at a really young age, right? Like we see our friends' kids crawling or feeding themselves or playing with certain toys and we're like, oh my gosh, my child can't do that yet. Or, you know, maybe your friend's child can say more words or they can count further or they can say their alphabet by the sweet age of two and we panic and we rush to the shops to buy yet another educational toy or we start singing the abc's a little bit more ferociously but i want to call everyone's jets and say you know what it's okay parents please take it from me as a mum and a teacher it actually doesn't matter what your friends kids are doing okay especially at the younger ages so what if your child can write their name by the time they're three? Uh, So what if they can say the alphabet by the time they can, you know, barely speak, but yet they're speaking the alphabet? Because I'm telling you, give or take a few months, they're all writing their name, counting to a hundred and reciting sight words by the end of prep. Now I know kids all learn at their own pace and this is true from prep to year 12. But what I will tell you is they do all eventually learn the same things. So don't stress yourself about comparing your child to other children that you see, okay? I was way, 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 way more occupied with training and developing my children's moral education and character than their academic education, And that was even me right throughout. I I mean, I'm talking in the younger years, but even in high school, like I might've said it on the podcast before, but uh, I think on the, on the episode where I talked about what kind of a school to pick, I looked at what the year 12 results were for our school, but it didn't guide my, um, or Karen's my decision that much. Like I was more concerned about the culture of the school. And um, what you know, what kinds of friends my kids would have, then about their academic education, because at the end of the day, um, you know, all children learn no matter where they are, but they actually learn better when they've got better character, and that's what I want to talk about. You know, look, and you know me, I'm a teacher, so education a hundred percent does matter to me. But let me tell you a secret, let me let you in on a little secret that you might not know that just might change your parenting. And that is moral education is absolutely necessary and actually leads to better academic achievements. Okay. Let that just sink in because yes, education is important to me, very important, but I understand that moral education actually leads to better academic outcomes anyway. And plus you get a better kid at the end of it, not just a smarter kid, a better kid. Why might that be? Well, because there's a lot of moral development that needs to take place in order for academic achievement to happen. Okay. Just think about that for a minute. There's a lot of moral development that needs to take place First, in order for the academic achievement to happen, let me give you some examples. So, kids will only learn academically, for example, if they are disciplined enough to sit still for longer periods of time and focus. Guys, I'm a teacher. I don't know how many reports that I've written where you know that a child is super smart and they're, they're intelligent and they could be a good learner, but their character could be lacking. And they find it hard to sit still. And so their academic uh, education actually suffers because they haven't been taught morally first to be of good character, to sit and focus. They actually also learn better, for example, if they have perseverance. So if we instill the moral character trait of perseverance and they learn not to give up when something gets difficult those kids actually achieve better academically because they sit through and they work through problems until they work it out. They have better academic outcomes, for example, if they are good listeners. And I can go on and on and on about how different character traits and their moral education actually helps their academic education. So there's my big argument for for moral education. And besides, it shouldn't be your motivating factor. Your motivating factor should be that you want to raise kids that become great adults. So for this reason, one of the base moral lessons that our children should learn is self-control because self-control kind of covers a lot of these things that I was just talking about. And this, like I said at the start, follows on really nicely from the last episode on tantrums. So it's really important that we shape their moral heart in this area And one of the main ways that we can curb their tantrums is by teaching self-control. Now, I know quite a bit about this because I had a son that really liked it. (laughs) This is why I, I really understood that this was one of the main areas I needed to focus on with our tantrum throwing son. I realized that one of the reasons he was throwing tantrums was because he lacked self-control. And interestingly, he lacked it in other areas as well, other than just emotionally. So for example, even as a toddler, he could never sit still on my lap for, uh, for example, if I was to read a short story, he didn't want to sit through a whole story. He wanted to get down or when he was playing with his toys, I noticed that he wouldn't spend much time with just one toy. He wanted to move around really quickly from toy to toy. So I began to realize pretty soon that he lacked a lot of self-control and that we needed to actively teach it to him. So self-control and the learning to sit, to focus and concentrate, by the way, are not stage acquired, age appropriate physical milestones that a child will reach. That's what a lot of parents tend to think. Oh, they'll learn self-control when they get a bit older or when they're old enough, they'll learn to sit still and focus and concentrate. No, it's actually a moral skill that we need to intentionally teach that starts when the child is a toddler, not a five-year-old. If you are teaching self-control and things like how to sit and focus when they're five, it's it's actually almost getting too late. They need it before then. And self-control is not something that can be taught through flashcards and playing educational games. That's why it's not an academic skill. Self-control is a moral skill. It's the result of moral training. And not only is it important because it shapes character, And improves academic outcomes, but it's actually a skill that will help your child for the rest of their life, especially in adulthood. And like I said, because we were so intentional with our son, now he's 18 and I've just watched him, um, I've just watched how self-control has been a character trait that has seen him through a lot of different stages in his life. And I'm just so grateful that we were intentional about teaching it. So we actually actively taught this to him, probably from the moment I realized that it was connected to his tantrum. So I reckon he he was probably even younger than two when I started teaching it. And uh, and, I, and the reason I persisted was be because I understood that there were long-term benefits, okay? So we understood that self-control also looked like a thousand different things for him. Like there were so many opportunities during the day. So let me give you a few examples because I'm sure that it will prompt your attention when you think, oh my gosh, I've just put my child's behavior down to immaturity or then being young, I've never put it down before to something that I need to intentionally teach. So, for example, I knew that he needed to learn self control instead of arching his back when I was trying to strap him into his pram. That was a lack of self control. I understood that he had to learn self control instead of throwing food off the high chair when he was cranky. That he needed to learn self control to stay in his cot when I said so because sleep time wasn't over. Um, He had to learn self control instead of ruining whatever Georgia was playing with, like poor Georgia, so many times where he would get a bit cranky pants and Georgia would be coming in and, you know, would be playing with something and he'd just come in the middle of it and ruin it. I'm sure you're all like, oh my gosh, yes, that's my child. Um, He had to learn self-control by not blowing a raspberry in a friend's face when he didn't get his way. There were just so many times where He just wanted to um, impulsively act and we needed to actively teach him self-control. Okay, so here we go with the five things that we did. And look, this is not exhaustive. These are just the things I can think of off the top top of my head. How did we actively teach it? Well, number one, the first thing that we did was, of course, the first time obedience training, okay? First time obedience is an excellent teacher of self-control. Now, I don't want to go into first time obedience again here, but definitely go back and listen to my first, I think, three episodes on first time obedience. So what does that mean? It means that your child learns to obey your instructions without complaint, complaint completely and fully without whinging and whining first time. Okay. It's an incredible trait, uh, an incredible tool. I should say that if you can get that right, your parenting is so much easier and it just has so many benefits. So that's the first thing is uh, to teach self-control. We need to have first time obedience as our underlying principle. Okay. Secondly, Another thing Cameron and I did was we talked about it a lot. We actually taught him the word self-control and we used it in our language. We also, for those of you that that listen, that um, are Christians like we are? We actually taught him that it was one of the fruits of the spirit. Okay, along with you know love, joy, peace, patience, etc. That self control was a fruit. So we used that language. We prayed about it together, and we praised him when he exercised it. So when we saw him using self control, we would say to him, "Oh my goodness, well done! Look at that. You used your self control." And so we would um, point that out to him so that he could see examples of himself using it in a positive way. Number three, a very practical thing that we did was we insisted that he finished activities before getting up and moving on. This is a really good thing that we can do um, as parents. So for example, if I was reading a story to him, I would insist that he sat on my lap until the story finished. Now, of course, he would writhe and complain and try to get down, but I would hold him firmly and I would say, Nobody, we're going to finish the story and then you can get down. Or if he was playing with a box of toys, I didn't let him get another box out unless he'd actually spent a good amount of time playing. And then he had to pack that up before I'd get the next box down. And this is a whole podcast in itself. Don't make all their toys accessible all the time. That's a very powerful thing to do. You know, so if he started a puzzle, we would help him. I'd come along and help him finish it. Um, I did a lot of playing probably with him just because I was trying to be intentional about him finishing things. So if he was coloring in a page, I wouldn't let him just turn it over. You know how kids kind of like color a page and then they rip it over and they do the next page and they just do a little bit. Well, I'd be like, no, bud, let's, let's, let's finish this page first. or let's spend a little bit more time. Look, it might be too much to get them to finish a whole page, but let's spend a little bit more time coloring on this page before we turn over the page. Okay. So that's the first three. Number one, first time obedience. Number two, physically, like like verbally, sorry, talk about the word self-control and teach them what it is. Number three, insist that they finish activities before moving on with the next one. Number four, I did a really simple thing, like I gave him inside, indoor and outdoor play. And I just, I didn't let him run in and out and in and out the house. That would drive me crazy. I would actually have inside time and outside time. And if he went outside, I would actually set a time limit. So I'd say, okay, bud, let's go outside for, you know, 10 minutes. And instead, you guys are probably laughing at me going, Renee, I can't believe you did this, but I actually wouldn't let him back in. (laughs) Or if I was out there, I I would say, no, we're not going back in. Let's play a little bit longer what i was doing was intentionally teaching him not just to be impulsive but to have some self-control and spend some time focusing on whatever he was doing and you know obviously as he got older 10 minutes would turn to 20 minutes which would turn to half an hour and believe me as a as a teacher I've had plenty of children in my class that have got ADD or ADHD, and I can tell the difference between the parents that have worked with their child to help train them to focus even when it's difficult for them compared to those where the parent will just use that label as a excuse to go, oh, my my child can't focus because, you know, they've got ADD. You can actually really help your child and, and just do it with little increments at a time. It doesn't have to be big amounts of time. And then fifthly, what we did was we taught him what it looked like to manage his emotions in a really kind of a practical way. So we didn't tolerate him lashing out at his siblings, but instead we insisted that he managed his emotions. So by particularly by saying sorry, if he did something where he lacked self-control. So again, we'd use that language. Hey buddy, this is not using your self-control. And so we brought it into his emotions. And if he did something where he was lacking self-control or he was lashing out, we would actually insist that he would say, sorry. And then we'd also get his sister or brother to say, I forgive you. And uh, we'd get him to give hugs. If he hurt one of his You know, siblings, his brother or his sister, and all the while using that language about controlling ourselves. Because remember what I said last week. It is normal for them to have emotions. We want to validate that, that they're going to feel angry sometimes. They're going to be frustrated sometimes. But what's not okay is the behavior if they hurt other people in that process. And so teaching them self-control specifically around their emotions, as well as things like, you know, them playing and, and the more practical things is really powerful. So that the other five things, I mean, just off the top of my head that we kind of did, um, Now, I think if Cameron was a child now... I actually think they would diagnose him with ADHD and um, we always laugh about that. Everyone laughs about it. We never know where he is. For example, in a church meeting, we're like, where's Karen gone? I don't know. He just, he walks around all the time, goes on this walkabouts, which is so funny. Um, But I was really aware of that. And so I thought that perhaps one of our kids might have the same kind of personality. And so I worked really in, both of us worked really intentionally with um this particular son of ours with his ability to focus and to concentrate. Now he did struggle at times through school for example, but because we had trained him so intentionally with self-control at home, he was just such a great kid at school. We could see our training paying off in the classroom even when he found it really hard. And his teachers would comment all the time. In fact, it was actually common for us to get emails out of the blue from teachers, just saying what a credit he was to us and how we'd raised such an incredible, well-loved, polite, well-mannered and respectful boy. I think this particular son of ours, the word that I hear the most would be that he's respectful, but we've really had to work hard at it. Cause remember what I said last week, he was the kid that slapped a random lady in the face when he was two. Um, So, you know, this is from the child who threw such bad temper tantrums when he was younger that I was often in tears. So teaching self-control had a lot to do with it, but also we did really understand him as well. And he knew that we understood him. I would have so many conversations with him when I'd be like, buddy, I understand how you're feeling. I also understood how, how hard he found it at school at times, pushing through. So we tried as much as we could to set him up for wins as well. It's really important that we understand our child's personality, but that we work with them. Don't use their personality as an excuse, but let them know that you understand them and you love them and you know how hard certain things are for them. And so we really did try to set him up for wins. So for example, I sat with him a lot at nighttime and Supporting him with his homework, I sat with him more than I sat with the other other two because he needed it. I often scribed with him, you know. I scribed like I would do the writing while he verbally told me what to write. Um, in year six, when he had to sit for long periods of time. Um, and because his teacher was beautiful, but very strict and there was a lot of inside time and he was right next to the window and he'd be like, mom, I just want to go outside. Um, so I gave him a stress ball and I'm like, buddy here, you know, and, and a fidget spinner. And then we went and spoke to his teacher so she could understand him a bit more and his need to be outside. And then come high school, we found a school that was a bit more alternative, um, you know, and I've spoken about the school and how much I've loved the school that he, the high school that he went to, because they did follow a bit of a different system, which really, really kind of suited him as well. But we didn't make allowances to the point where we let his behavior and his lack of self-control dominate. So we kind of did both hand in hand. We were understanding, but we did a lot of training to shape his moral heart. You know, even this week, he graduated from design school, from a design course that he did. It was three intense months, eight in the morning till five at night. And he was actually one of the youngest that that graduated. And we met everyone, all the other people in his class the other night. And so many of them came up to Cameron and I just saying how loved that he is our son and what a lad he is and what a legend he is. Again, his teachers came up to us, how polite and respectful he is, how missed he would be, how mature he is. (laughs) And all I could see in my mind was that little three-year-old boy who threw temper tantrums. And in my heart, I was just kind of marveling at how it was all worth it. And Cameron and I have been talking a lot lately and saying the days were long, but gee, the years were short. And here he is at the other end, 18, graduated, about to start his first full-time job in in the graphic design world. And, you know, it was worth it. It was worth all those times of sitting him on my lap and saying, no, you're going to sit down on Mummy's lap and read to the end of the story. It was worth all those intentional times and all the times I sat with him doing homework and you know, I'm really glad. I'm really, really glad that I spent all of that time with him. It, it was so beneficial teaching him self-control. It has paid off in so many ways. And no matter where you are at on the journey, I promise you, whether your child is two or whether they are 12, that it is so worth intentionally teaching character traits like self-control. And I am so glad, by the way, that we focused more on his moral education because then the rest has actually taken care of itself. And I'm just so, so grateful. And I want to encourage you to do the same. And that teaching self-control, I promise you, it will shape your child in the best way possible. So be encouraged. Um, Feel free, like I say, every week, and I know lots of different people do. You come along into my DMs and encourage me or ask questions or, um, you know, tell me stories of your own. And I love it because we are in this together and I love that you're here listening because, um, honestly, I hear all the time. In fact, Cameron's like, oh my gosh, babe, everywhere I go, I'm sick of hearing it now. Oh my God. No, he's not really sick of hearing it, but he's, he literally is like everywhere he goes, people are like, I'm listening to Girl Next Door podcast. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for listening. And, uh, and I really am glad that this is helping you guys. Anyway, have a fantastic weekend and I look forward to being back next Wednesday for another episode of Girl Next Door. Until then, have a good one. Bye. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast.